0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing, and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right. Welcome to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to um, dr. Louis Sandoval, <laughs> welcome, and thank you for being here to all of our listeners as always it's a pleasure to be here with you to talk about our faith and to talk about good health, whether we're talking about mental health, spiritual health, and or physical health because we are all happening at the same time in those three areas um, Today, I want to talk about a few different things you know talking to people out there, people asking me questions there's a whole lot of fear <clears throat> and a whole lot of fear about is this the end times? Today's show is going to be prophecies, fear, and the holy hour um, because we need to talk about what's going on. This is really weighing heavy on people's hearts and some uh, some of my Catholic friends who uh, have been reading different things and they go back and they look at, look, there's this apparition or there was a saint who said this or, you know, and I really feel that with all the chaos going on around us, this could be it. You know, I, I think that this is the end times and I'm really afraid of what's gonna happen because fear comes from the unknown. Um, And so we're going to talk about that a little bit and and what does this mean for our lives and what should we do about this uh, in terms of moving forward as Catholics. I do have our coffee and therapy time. We are going to talk about a very powerful story. I get stories from our listeners and I really appreciate those. As always, I tell you, we keep them anonymous. So feel free to share them with us so that other people can hear about triumphs or trials uh, when it comes to mental health or spiritual health. And then we're going to end our show with how are we doing on our holy our challenge. At this point, we are at our first week on focusing on the virtue of faith. And what does that mean for us as Catholics? But since we are at the noon hour, let's start with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke, and we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, well, let's get into it. you know, we talk about prophecies and we talk about, you know, usually prophecies aren't very good. we do not, we don't hear that. Hey, I heard about this prophecy where we're going to win the lottery and we're all going to move and, and be in a great neighborhood and buy a big homes and have fancy cars. And those aren't the usual prophecies we hear about. And one of the prophecies that one of my friends came up to me about was this prophecy of La Salette. So anybody who follows Marian apparitions, La Salette is an approved apparition or worthy of belief uh, from the Vatican. And I like to look at the prophecies once they've been worthy of belief. Not that the ones who have yet to be approved aren't real or are not, are not worthy of belief, but usually when you're talking to people or somebody says, hey, what's going on with that? I like to say, nope, you know what? This one has the stamp of approval. So there are no doubts. There, There's no question about what's going on here. So I like to look at the ones that are, if they're an apparition or worthy of belief, or if it's a vision or something that a saint saw or somebody who's blessed, obviously this is somebody who is worthy of belief as well because they've either been declared a saint or they're on their way to full sainthood. But let's look at this uh, La Salette prophecy. It's interesting. Um, if anybody doesn't know about Our Lady of La Salette, this uh, was an apparition that occurred in France. It happened in September, September 19th of 1846 and she appeared to two young shepherds. There was a young gal named Melanie and a boy named Maximum. Um, and this was on the mountain town of La Salette, France. And it says, you know, if you read the stories and you read, uh, what happened was, it says that she dictated to them a public message, which she asked them to make known to all her people. And to each little shepherd privately, she confided a secret concerning which she gave special directives. So we always hear about secrets. You know, it's interesting. When it comes to secrets, secrets that actually cause anxieties or fear sometimes because holding a secret. That's why we tell kids, you know, don't keep any secrets from mom and dad or things like that. Because all of a sudden they have the secret and they're afraid they're going to get in trouble or something like that's going to happen. And so people tell me, you know, Doctor Samuel, what does it mean that there's a secret with these apparitions? Like it, it, it makes it seem like everybody's much more curious. Like I want to find out what they told you. I want to be part of this secret. And usually, I would dare say, and we'll talk about this in the Holy Hour. Uh, time sometimes when it's a secret, I think we use the word "secret" as something that's a cult, um, but that wouldn't be of heaven, you know. If, if it were something secret that you have to keep hidden, um, it doesn't make sense in the in, in to me in the sense of the way we keep secrets, so to speak. I would dare say that when it's secrets and they and she, our Lady tells to the children, um, I think it's much more either something that pertains to them directly. It's kind of like if my friend and I have an inside joke. Uh, we could say, "Well, we don't share it with anybody because it's an inside joke. Nobody else would get it. It pertains to us directly um and our lady might be telling them things she confides in them a secret where she gives them special directives. It might mean something like, "Look, this is just for you uh because nobody else would get it it's not that it's not that you have to you know not tell anybody, but they're not going to get it, so it's best that you don't you know you do these things among friends it's like you know this is something between us it doesn't necessarily mean that it's something bad so the first thing I tell people is if you hear that there's a secret, right away we, we jump to, oh my goodness, what is a secret? I need to find out. Kind of like when we talk about Fatima and we say, oh, the three secrets of Fatima. Well, remember the first secret was just that our lady showed the kids a vision of hell. So, you know, it's not necessarily a secret as in something that we didn't know that there was a hell or that, you know, hell existed, or it was something that she needed to show them so that they could experience that. Now they share that with us. We don't know. Uh, I was not there. We know what their vision was because they shared it but I don't know how they felt about it or how it changed their life individually or what it meant for their mission. But let's get on to the prophecy here. So remember, this is La Salette, and it says, God is going to strike in an unprecedented manner. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. God is going to exhaust his wrath, and no one will be able to resist so many concerted woes. Many will abandon the faith, and the number of priests and religious who will dissociate themselves from the true religion will be great. Many religious institutes will will lose the faith entirely and will cause a loss of many souls. The church will pass through a frightful crisis. The Holy Father will suffer greatly. I will be with him to the end to receive his sacrifice. For a time, God will not remember France or Italy because the gospel of Jesus Christ is no longer known, but the prayers, penance, and tears of the just will ascend to heaven, and the entire people of God will beg for pardon and mercy and will ask my assistance and my intercession then jesus christ by an act of his justice and his great mercy toward the just will intervene and there will be peace the reconciliation of god with men charity will flourish everywhere the gospel will be preached everywhere and men will make great progress in the faith because there will be unity among the workers of jesus christ and men will live in the fear of god a lot to unpack there Notice at the end, it says the fear of God. And today uh, we're talking about prophecies and fear and the Holy Hour. But fear is something that we need to unravel. And we really need to unravel a prophecy like this one step at a time, because it can be daunting. You know, it's easy to get stuck in the first part. All faith is lost. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Many religious institutes will lose their faith entirely and will cause the loss of many souls. Well, let's see let's back up a little bit. Can we take soulless in any of this, uh, thinking if this is going to come, am I going to lose my soul? Really what it comes down to in the first part, it comes down to free will. You know, this is where we have to make a decision. If you're listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, more than likely, you've already somewhere in your heart decided that, you know, I believe that there is a God and I believe that we need to follow the magisterium as the church teaches it. I want to say my prayers. I want to read my gospel. I don't care if I get made fun of. I don't care if even other priests make fun of me or nuns make fun of me. And they say, oh, you know, I'll tell you what, I mean, I've I've known priests who, when somebody comes up to them and says, father, I think I'm being afflicted by something spiritual. A lot of priests have just turned and said, no, you know, it's a mental health disorder. And you know, people come to me and they say, "Oh, yeah, I went to talk to a priest at a church, but he told me it was all in my head. It was all mental health." Sometimes it is. I don't doubt it, you know. And they say, "But you know, but they told me that it was all chemical imbalance." And I've talked to other people, and and they come to me, and I say, "No, actually, you know, you don't have any medical issues. There's no chemical imbalance here. You actually have a whole lot of spiritual issues. So you need to find a priest who's willing to maybe pray with you." We're going to keep unraveling these prophecies when we come back from the break, and we're going to talk about. Should we be afraid? Should we be in fear? Or should we have anxiety? And what all that means? More when we come back from the break. All right, well, welcome back to the Dr. Louis Sandoval show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we're talking about prophecies and should we be afraid of them or not? And what is the solution for us? What do we do about it when we hear something that might be kind of scary for us? The one prophecy that I was talking about because a friend of mine brought it up in particular, uh, and I wanted to go back and look at it myself because I had to give myself a refresher, is we're talking about the prophecy that Our Lady of La Salette gave to two uh, young children. And one of the lines from the prophecies is, many will abandon the faith and the number of priests and religious who will dissociate themselves from the true religion will be great. And what does that mean? So one thing that we need to consider is that it does not say that there will not be priests or religious. So we will still see priests and religious, um, but they're going to be abandoning themselves from the faith. So it's kind of like Fulton Sheen had said in in his speech uh, before, uh, his speech on communism, that the church will still look like the church, but the inner workings of the church will not be the church. And so what do we do about that? Well, I think that there's not a whole lot we can do in terms of, of doing something. We always think I got to go do something. I got to tell them something, or I got to, how do we convince people? And this is where the fear for my friend was coming from. It's like, how do I change this? And I said, you know, if it's a prophecy, um, if you've, if you've ever read Shakespearean tragedies into prophecy, it's bound to happen. And sometimes the more you try to stop it from happening, the more you get involved in the negative aspects of it and and might contribute to it. What I always say is we got to take a step back from this. If Christ said this is going to happen, it's going to happen. So then we got to brace ourselves and say, what side do I want to be on? What I can do for these priests and religious is I can pray for them. We cannot underestimate the power of prayer. Prayer seems like, you know, when you talk about prayer, um, the dark side wants to tell you, oh, please, you know, prayer, that's for ninnies, that's for little girls, that's, what is that? You know, you're going to say a few words and you think that's going to have an effect on me. I think that when we think of prayer as being something like passing, or I'm just going to say Hail Mary, sometimes we do it without realizing the power that we can have if these prophecies and tribulations are going to come true. How much power can I have in bringing myself peace through prayer? I believe that it's the equivalent of you having all the weapons in the world pointed at one person and that person saying, you think all these weapons are going to do anything to me and you're like wow this person's not even thinking clearly or they're trying to convince me that what i have is not even powerful when the reality is i've got all the power once we trap tap, tap into prayer into true prayer we start getting peace because we're not going to get stuck in the first part of the prophecy the first part can be pretty terrifying if we read it the church will pass through a frightful crisis and so we're afraid of that. But let's keep reading and let's look at what's happening yes in some places the gospel will not be known and she says specifically france or italy um and then prayers penance and tears of the just will ascend to heaven heaven is not closed to us even in the times of uh, tribulations sometimes it feels like there's going to be a tribulation and the doors of heaven are going to close and i'm going to be condemned that's kind of what it feels like sometimes when we hear about these prophecies the reality is heaven's still open we have to ascend the prayer still ascend to heaven and the entire people of god will beg for pardon and mercy and will ask the assistance of our lady and her intercession she says says then jesus christ by an act of his justice and his great mercy towards the just will intervene and there will be peace the reconciliation of god and men when we hear about these prophecies what we got to remember is that if there's going to be a great tribulation turbul- What that really tells me is I better start praying more and I better be one of these people who my prayers are ascending to heaven so that when Jesus comes, I can be part of his mercy. How many times do we hear about the divine mercy? Who's praying their divine mercy chaplet? This is what I'm really trying to What I told my friend with these prophecies is it can be a little shocking when we read them, but we've got to remember that this is nothing new. We've heard of this before. We can't get stuck in the negative because as you keep reading it says, charity will flourish everywhere. There will be love everywhere. What are we praying for in our holy hour challenge? Faith, hope, and love. And we're going to hope we started with love. We're going to end with love. Why? Because love is what's going to be lasting. And then it will be the gospel will be preached everywhere. Men will make great progress in faith because there will be unity among the workers of Jesus Christ and the men will live in fear of God. There's a big difference to be afraid and living in fear of calamity and living in fear of God. If we already live in fear of God, guess what? We're not going to worry. Our, our, our fear will be focused on God, which really means respect. We're not going to be afraid. We're actually going to find peace. Being in fear of God, I've been asked that before. What's the difference between fearing God and fearing the tribulations? It sounds like I should be afraid all the time. No, fear of God means respect. Kind of like we live, shall we say, in fear of our parents when we're little because we say, oh, I better not do that. Mom and dad are going to get mad. And really what I'm saying is if mom and dad get mad, then what I'm doing is probably not right. And so that's really the respect that I would have for if God laid down the laws, I don't want to upset God because I'm going to do something that's probably not right. I got to make a decision on that. And that's the fear of God versus if I'm afraid of tribulation, I'm afraid of the punishment. I'm just afraid I'm going to go down. I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell and I'm not relying on God's mercy. Those are the biggest fears that we have. Now, what's going on here? This is a prophecy of La Salette, you know, 1846 it was, um, and then all of a sudden, we forget, though, that when did we hear this prophecy before? Jesus has already told us these prophecies. These prophecies are not new. If we go back to the Bible, we should be reading our Bibles and our Gospels and looking at, say, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. You start reading that. and Let me read you some experts from, excerpts from that. The apostles were saying, it says, Now he, Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming? and the end of the age. And Jesus goes on to tell them <clears throat> tell them not to be deceived as other people will come and say that they are that they are Christ themselves. He said, these things must come to pass. Um, and so if these things must come to pass, then we just have to be prepared for them. It's kind of like, a, you ever hear uh, Jesus 911, Reuben always says, hey, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? So Reuben Nava, I always think of that in my head. And I said, yeah, if we just kind of stay ready, we don't have to get ready for these situations. Jesus already told us they're going to pass. I'm not going to be able to stop it. If This is a train coming this way. I'm not stopping the train, but am I going to be ready to be out of the train's way? Am I going to be ready to be at peace while these calamities are happening? And so Jesus says, uh, let's read a part of it. He says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, Jesus says, read Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight might not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. These tribulations are going to happen. If we're worried about that, let's worry more about getting prepared for them. Again, this is not something new. It's something that if you read the gospel, it's there. Right now, I think that what's going on socially, a whole lot of, you know, isolation, a whole lot of unknown, a whole lot of, you know, questions about what's going on in politics and what's going on spiritually with our church politics, people start to worry and start looking at these end times. Then Jesus says, again, we can't stick to that because he says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken, more darkness coming. Then the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Isn't that what Our Lady of La Salette said? At first, there's going to be an abomination, but then Jesus will come, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and he will gather together his elect from the four winds, one end of heaven to the other. So what we gotta remember is there's gonna be peace. You know, Is this something that I hear about this? My anxiety goes up, my fear goes up and I better go get treatment. I better go talk to Dr. Sandoval and see if he can prescribe me something to bring down my anxiety. Maybe, maybe if this is making you so anxious that you can't function, maybe if it's making you so anxious that you forget that I can pray or I can get ready for this, and this is not going to affect me. I, I have to have my faith in God. Are we not in the week of faith now that we're praying for the Holy Hour? I'm not surprised. You know, it's funny. I'll talk more about the Holy Hours. As I started doing the Holy Hour, I started noticing things happening at the same time that I would say are a coincidence. But I think that when we let God work in our lives, there are no more coincidences, Now, when I tell people, people come to me and say, Doc, I'm really anxious about these prophecies. Read them, they're pretty scary. Do we have faith in this? Do we believe in this? Sure, sure, why not? It's in the Bible, right? We we believe our Bible, we believe this is gonna happen. At the same time, I say, don't get so scared of the prophecies, because we start looking toward the future so much, that we forget to do our due diligence, our due spiritual diligence today. If I'm worried about these prophecies in the future, My question is, am I worried about my neighbor who's next to me today who might need some help? Or guess what? I don't have time to be nice to people today because I gotta go worry about these prophecies. Or I don't have time to go to church today because I gotta worry about these prophecies and get my house in order, or things of that nature. What I gotta remember is, I don't know when this is gonna happen. Even Jesus said he didn't know. If you read the gospel reading that I just read, he says, hope that it doesn't happen on this day or that day, which tells me he did not know exactly. He says, hope it doesn't happen on the Sabbath, hope it doesn't happen in the winter. He says, I don't know when it's going to happen. Only God the father knows that. But what I do know is that if I kind of put the prophecies aside and look at my life today, I can ask myself, how am I living today? Because I don't know that I'll be here tomorrow. You know, there were a lot of people this last year who got sick, whether it be from COVID or from something else, and and they passed away, you know, as we were in quarantine and things like that. I don't know that some people who went into the hospital this last year expected to not come out. And that was their end time. You know, we worry about the end times as a global phenomenon, but we got to remember that really it's our individual end time. When our life ends, that's what we should be preparing for every day. If I feel like, gosh, if I were to die tomorrow, then I better change things up Then let's change it up. Because if I don't, that anxiety is going to continue. It's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to build. Um, How do I do this? You know, the first thing I would start off with is if we feel if all of a sudden we read this and it really shakes us up and it makes us wonder Where is my life headed? The first thing I would do is I would do an examination of conscience. You know, take a step back, stop, look at my life, start praying very basic prayers: Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be. Pray those over and over. Pray them at the top of the hour, every hour. Uh, I know Jesse Romero says he sets his clock alarm, and every hour at the top of the hour, he says the Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be. You know, you could do that. It's a little bit of a training exercise if you wanna do it every hour. If you feel like that's too much, every two hours, but you gotta do something to just start examining your conscience now. I can worry about the calamities that are to come. I can worry and say, you know what? Gosh, I look around me and and this is where we're at right now, but I'm hoping that I get home. I'm hoping that uh, I see tomorrow uh, here on earth. I don't know, but if I don't, I better get ready. You know, how many people were not ready for that, haven't done an examination of conscience? haven't thought about the Ten Commandments, haven't gone to confession, or have had the great intention of going to confession, but, you know, gosh, yeah, I'll go next week. You know what, I'll go next week because I'm I'm kind of busy today. But I'm going to go read about these prophecies anyway. I would say we put, kind of put the cart before the horse there and we should really say, you know what, I better put a stop to everything. Just get to confession first. Go receive the sacraments. Go receive the Eucharist because really the Eucharist is my ticket to heaven. If it weren't for the Eucharist, if it were not for the sacrifice Every time I go to mass, it's a sacrifice. It's a representation of Christ's sacrifice. If it were not for His sacrifice, I wouldn't be able to get into heaven. That's the sacrifice that must be must be consumed. It's the new uh, the new lamb, right? So back in the Passover in the Old Testament, they were when Moses was in Exodus, and they were God told him to to bring in the unblemished lamb, and that's what was going to get them out of slavery. Well, what happened after Jesus came? He said, Nope, we don't need to do any more blood sacrifices. Because right now, today, not in the future with these prophecies, but people are going to be dying every day. Have you consumed the lamb and taken the sacrifice so you don't have to worry about these prophecies so much, but look at Jesus today and get into heaven today? That's really what it comes down to. You know, as we're going to talk about the Holy Hour in the next segment, what we're going to talk about is a great, great uh, um, talk of somebody who had uh, medical issues, uh, mental health issues. And through the holy hour, started to see some healing. And we're going to talk about some of those details. But right now, what we really got to focus on is if I'm going to read these prophecies, what am I going to do about it? So I read them, but what am I going to do about it? You know, there was another prophecy as well. Now, this one, I always say, I like to keep uh, um, stay with the prophecies that have been approved. Well, this one, in a way, um, is kind of approved. If anybody's ever heard of, Our Lady of Akita. um, That's another one that's kind of been approved. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more after we come back from the break because there was an interesting comment that uh, Pope Benedict made about Akita uh, one time. And I wanna go back and look at that and see how does that, you know, play in in with the different prophecies that we've heard about. Uh, More when we come back from the break. All right, well welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval show. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or you want to share your stories, feel free to email me at dr that's dr dot at gmail.com. Um, always nice to hear from you and what's going on. Um, so we, at the end of the last break, I was talking a little bit about Akita and I need to correct myself. Actually, Akita was approved as worthy of belief. Um, I know that I said that before it was not, but I need to, I need to correct that. Um, Pope Benedict, who at the time, uh, was Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, and, June of 1988, before he became Pope, he did approve Akita as worthy of belief. The interesting thing is that the Pope had said, well, who was a Cardinal at that time, Cardinal Ratzinger, had said that um, the two messages, he compared to the messages of Fatima and Akita as essentially the same. You know, a lot of people have always wondered, this is why I was talking about secrets. We kind of get wrapped up in, I want to hear about the third secret of Fatima and did the Vatican really put it out, but it was only one page, but it wasn't two pages, but there's a whole lot of controversy. But if at the time when it was worthy of belief to believe uh, Akita, and he said that the Fatima secrets and the uh, Akita secrets are essentially the same, it's important to look at that um, and to see what they say. This is one of the passages Um, from from Akita where it says the demon will rage, especially against souls consecrated to God. The thought of loss of so many souls is the cause of my sadness. If sins increase in the number and gravity, there will no longer be pardon for them. In his pastoral letter, approving the events of Akita as supernatural, the Bishop of Japan there uh, said, after the inquiries conducted up to the present day, one cannot deny the supernatural character of a series of unexplained events relative to the statue of the virgin Mary, honor at akita so akita has been uh it was approved um but it, and i recalled something about that but what i'm trying to say here is if we look at the messages if we start to get scared it sounds pretty scary the demons will rage especially against consecrated those consecrated to god that's what we heard in la salette right that religious and priests are going to lose their faith and no different than what christ tells his apostles in the bible the message is consistent What's incumbent upon us is that we stay ready, that we stay prepared, that we are doing our uh, sacraments, that we're going to receive communion, that we're using uh, the Eucharist in our hearts, in our souls, that we're receiving the Eucharist in order to be prepared for this. You know, another great thing that I tell people is, if you're not sure what to do, look at the works of mercy. Look at the spiritual works of mercy, the physical works of mercy. If you start using those, They're not hard to do. It's just something to keep in mind and, you know, do that every now and then, um, keep in mind what they are and let's read them really quickly so that we can see for our listeners what this means as far as works of mercy and, you know, can I do them? Can I not? What does, how hard are they to do? So if we look at the corporal works of mercy, it's to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, to visit the imprisoned or ransom the captive, and to bury the dead. And the spiritual works of mercy are to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to admonish the sinners, to bear patiently those who wrong us, to forgive offenses, to comfort the afflicted, to pray for the living and the dead. Sometimes if we just keep busy with these, notice that it puts us to work. There are works of mercy, corporal works of mercy, spiritual works of mercy. If we keep busy working, then we're not going to, we're going to be too busy to be afraid of what's happening down the road. We're going to be ready. You know, we're preparing ourselves. We're not going to be ready, worried about, you know, is a tribulation coming today or tomorrow? We'll be aware of it, but I'm too busy. I'm too busy doing the work of Christ to let the evil one get all, get me all wrapped up in my head and all anxious about what's going to happen in the future. What does this mean for me and and, and what can I do about it? Well, God puts us to work and usually if we're working, we're keeping busy. We don't have the idle mind uh, because it's very easy to read the prophecies. And once anxiety sets in, sometimes people get into what we call analysis paralysis and then they don't do anything other than just let those wheels run in their minds and worry that's you know that's the idle mind. It stays there. You stay in this in this paralyzed form. Well, let's get to work. Let's do something. Let's see how can I do any of these works of mercy. Again, one more time for our listeners: the corporal works of mercy to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, to visit the imprisoned, or ransom the captive, to bury the dead. The spiritual works of mercy: to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to admonish the sinners to bear patiently those who wrong us, to forgive offenses, to comfort the afflicted, and to pray for the living and the dead. Um, I should say for the living and those who have passed because uh, we're going to do future shows on what it means to be dead and alive uh, because that's an interesting concept as well. But now I wanted to share, we reached our, our coffee and therapy time, and let's talk about a therapy uh, session and therapy. Let's talk about a case here. You know, there was a case that one of our listeners sent to me and I really appreciate it. These are some powerful, powerful cases. Um, this is a listener who shares with me, uh, that they were going through a depression and they were put on low dose of medication. Okay. Pretty common, right? You're going to come to my clinic and you get on, on low dose of medication. They were on it for a while on and off of it for a while. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You kind of go back and forth as it sounds like what was happening to this person. And they wanted to get off of it. It says, I wanted to get off of it because it was making me feel like I could not even cry or no emotion. Now that's interesting. Let me take a sip of my coffee here. Oh, that's good coffee. I made a good mix this morning, I guess. Um, Love my coffee. But, so this person's telling me they're going, they were diagnosed with depression. They got put on low dose medication. They were on and off of it for a while. One of the problems with the medication is that they could not even cry or show emotion. So anybody who's coming to clinic, you know, we worry about anxieties. We worry about this and it could be anxiety for different reasons. I know today we're talking about prophecies and, and what could be fearful and what's going to happen in terms of tribulations. But sometimes, you know, when we get back, when we get out of the prophecy, we come back to the everyday. This is why I say we need to focus on the everyday. We start to recognize that you know, gosh, I'm just worried about driving or I'm anxious about having to go visit my friend or I'm anxious about, you know, different things. And these are the real life moments. These are the works where the times where we could use those works of mercy, because now I'm going to go talk to my friend who I don't really like. That's really a tribulation right there that we should worry about, um, in the moment. That's something that I need to fix because if I don't really like this friend, I got to ask myself why you know, or am I praying for them? You know, am I praying for them? Am I, am I doing anything good for them? Am I doing something charitable for them? Am I bearing patiently, um, as the works of mercy tell us, okay, that's something I could be, or am I suffering from an anxiety that I need to go get therapy for? And that's fine. So we go get therapy. We're already feeling anxious or we could be feeling depressed. In this case, it was some depression. Um, get on medication and sometimes believe it or not, the medication will, as we say, numb you out. So you take the medication and you're like, Well, well, I don't feel depressed anymore. I don't feel anxious anymore. I don't feel anymore. So I can hear a joke, but, and I internally, intellectually, I know it's funny, um, or something can be anxiety provoking and I can see it happening and intellectually in my mind, I realize that I should worry, but my heart, my emotions are not reacting. They're just completely numbed out. Um, and so this can happen with medication, right? So you start taking this medication you're hoping that it's working because you want to, bring those emotions down um, or get them under control. And so then what happened? So couldn't even cry, couldn't, had no emotion. And the the person says, so instead of going off the medication completely, I decided to cut the pill in half Um, and see, and that happens, right? So I'm going to cut the pill in half, maybe a lower dose, maybe some of my emotions will come back. Maybe I'll feel better. But then what happened? They cut the pill in half and they relapsed. They started having more depression. And then it says, Well, I went to a little church um at the San Franciscan Immaculate Conception and the priest there was very holy. So this person already has faith in that their priest is very holy. And it says During the Mass I started getting overwhelmed, like I wanted to leave, but I did not leave. And when the priest held up our Lord, I'm guessing in the consecration, um, the Lord said to me, You are healed, meaning no more of this medication for you, no more depression medication. And our Lord told me your family will notice a difference because I was <clears throat> cause I was not so quiet, and even my mom knew a difference. Says, um, you know, this is where all of a sudden we're at mass, in our hearts we have faith that God said, You're gonna be healed. Um, and we go off the medication and we start to feel better. We can't underestimate. Now, if you talk to me as a psychiatrist and and, uh, and I take this from a strictly scientific medical point of view, I would say, okay, so you stopped your medication and you're feeling better. Well, good for you. So that means that maybe the medication worked. You know, maybe you took it for a while and it actually helped the brain. It helped the chemicals in the brain. Uh, if you were taking an antidepressant, more than likely we we're working on your serotonin levels and all of a sudden, you know, well, maybe it did what it had to do and, and that was it. Maybe it had nothing to do with I mean you're associating it with going to church and and you know focusing on on Christ and and the moment of consecration, and they hold up the host um, and all of a sudden you felt that God was telling you that you were healed. Okay, well, good for you, but you know I think that the medication did its job. If I'm going to look at this through the eyes of faith, I think that this is where we take that leap of faith in Christ. If I'm going to look at this through spiritual through a spiritual lens, it's sometimes I got to wonder if we start to look at christ and we start to recognize christ and have faith in christ and we allow him to come in and heal us how much of the calamity that we're experiencing or the unrest we're experiencing or the anxiety or depression we're experiencing might be coming from different things we're not even aware of yes our bodies are chemical of course it's happening at the same time what's messing up my serotonin levels is it just genetic or sometimes we don't even realize it and guess what if we start to accumulate little sins, venial sins that we don't think about, what's that doing to us spiritually and to our subconscious? If we have, um, if we're holding on to something and we're not forgiving people, what's that doing to my mental health? Could that be weighing heavy on my mental health? Absolutely. We got to remember that, you know, even St. Paul tells us that if we don't receive appropriately if we're not in a good state to receive communion um, and we go and receive communion that's going to cause us illness and it's going to cause us physical illness he says so I got to wonder, and it's not to say, I'm not saying that this that this person went to receive communion in, uh, in, in a state of mortal sin or unworthily, but I'm saying how many times do we go and we don't even, and it has it might not even have to do with something that big, but when we go receive communion, maybe we weren't even focused on what we were doing. Did we give Christ the true reverence? I think to me, this is a powerful moment where, you know, this person was in the moment of the consecration, focused on Christ, focused on what the consecration was, And that healing came, allowed Christ to heal them. And guess what? Maybe you don't need that medication because maybe Christ came in. Maybe we needed to get that spiritual healing out that we have to believe the Eucharist can do. I hope that, you know, this is such a powerful case that it might inspire us to be much more focused at Mass and realize that is the moment of healing for us as Catholics. More when we come back from the break. All right. Welcome back to the last segment here of the Dr. Glee Sandoval show. I am Dr. Glee Sandoval, your host. Always appreciate our listeners. Love hearing your stories. Um, So today we've been talking about prophecies and how that can be scary. We hear big words of tribulations, but what we got to remember, like Ruben says, if we stay ready, we don't have to get ready. Talked a little bit, how can we get ready in these fears of tribulations? I think that the spiritual and the corporal works of mercy are a great way to do that, to keep us busy and to focus on what we're doing so that when the time comes that we have to stand up to the powers that be, shall we say, if these tribulations come up and we want to stay strong in our faith. We want to be able to stand up and do that because we're seeing, you know, in our world, we're seeing a lot of things as our, as our churches close and things like that. It can feel very scary. It can feel like we're in a desolation. And the reality is we're going to stick together through this and we're going to use our faith to guide us through. Um, so we've come to the part of the show where uh, we're going to talk about our Holy Hour Challenge. I love this. I'm excited about it. We are now I'm doing my I'm now in the uh, fourth week of the of the holy hour coming upon it, and now I'm focusing on faith well let's do a little recap <clears throat> on what happened on the on the first three weeks first three weeks we're going to be was going to focus on love because I figure if we're, if Christ is love and we say that Christ is a source and summit of our faith the Eucharist is a source and summit of our faith we say God is love, and in the end Saint Paul tells us the only thing that matters is love out of faith hope, and love our Theological virtues that can only be given to us by God, and we got to pray for them. I decided, you know what, I'm going to start with love because I want to end with love. I want to come full circle, and I really want to know what all this means. What do these virtues really mean in terms of using them? Um, because I want to say, you know, a lot of us say, oh, yeah, I have love or I have hope or I have faith. But really, I think if they are tools for us to use, I got to say, hey, look at what I did with that love or look at what happened, look at what I did, or look at what Jesus did in my life with the faith I had. Look at what happened, or look at what Jesus did, or what I was able to do through the power of Christ with the hope I had in my heart. I think sometimes we stop at the virtues just think that it's something that we have to acquire versus thinking of them as tools that I have to use. To me, it's the equivalent of saying, hey, look, I got this new drill, and look at what I built with it. Wow, you built that, you were able to build that, with. you used that drill, huh? Hmm, that seems like a good tool to use. We need to use these. It's not just good enough to carry them around. We have to use them. So the first three weeks, interesting, um, because I kind of came into it and thinking, God, you know, I love you and this is why I want to do this. And one of the interesting things is that a lot of what was coming up for me as I was praying for love was a lot of hate and frustrations that would come up in terms of, gosh, I really feel like, uh, you know, thoughts of, That was an injustice in my life somebody did something wrong to me and i started feeling anger towards the person or hatred or things along those lines and i thought well this is kind of the opposite of what i want i'm praying for love and what's going on with this why am i why is all this coming up and i think that and it's not like i was going to do something about it it's just the emotions that come up or things i hadn't thought about in a while um and i thought why would this be coming up and i had the only thing i could think of is christ is saying okay well you want to pray for love you want to know how to use love He's all you got to look at those moments in your life. You know, I'm thinking, why is this coming up? This is negative. I'm, I'm asking for the opposite of this. I think Christ is saying these moments that come up, these moments I'm helping remind you of, that's where you got to apply the love. This is where you got to understand. If you want to love me, you have to first forgive your neighbors. You have to first let these moments go. Let's bring up the yuck that might be in there. Let's look at those wounds that might still not be healed. Let's bring them to the light and let's clean them up. Because that's where the love starts. It reminded me, and Christ reminded me a lot of, He said, I forgave from the cross, not from when I was having a good time, not from, you know, notice when He was at the wedding of Cana, there was no forgiveness there. There was nothing where He healed somebody. He turned the water to wine, and that was at a party, and that was great. The party's going to be great. But, it was from the cross that he forgave and that he showed us his true love. And so I think that that's kind of what started coming up. And it was interesting because I thought, well, am I doing this wrong? And I think it was like, no, I think you're doing this right. Because this is what you have to face as you are asking for true love. If you're going to be serious about it, you got to look at the ugliness um, in order for that to be healed. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere. Um, so that was interesting to me. Um, and then as I started the faith component, remember, I've been reading the imitation of Christ while I do this. Um, I still do the prayers from the angel of, of Fatima and we'll, we'll go through those in a little bit, but there was one of the chapters in the Imitation of Christ that I thought, wow, this is great. The whole purpose of doing this holy hour challenge is to gain peace, right? So I'm going to focus on faith, hope, and love to gain peace. Let's not forget what the goal is. I want to use these as tools to gain peace. So that way I can say, Hey, look, I built this well, and I built God allowed me to have this peace. And I use the tools of faith, hope, and love to get to the peace. That's going to be the end end product. But let's read this chapter a little bit. I thought it was very powerful. As I read this imitation of Christ, it really speaks to the heart. And it says, on how to acquire peace and on the desire to improve. We would indeed have peace if we would attend to our affairs. How can you remain in peace when you deliberately interfere in other people's business and seek worldly occupation with seldom a thought to interior recollection? The humble and the single hearted are truly blessed and will have abundant peace. This is chapter 11 from the imitation of Christ talking about peace. I mean, this is, I I just pulled out the imitation of Christ the, the, to do this without any real thought other than, gosh, I remember I read some of that once and it was pretty good, but it's falling in line. This is where I said, I don't know if these are coincidences. I think God kind of guides us and says, this is what you need to read. That's what he told me. That's what I felt God was telling me to do. And then, so let's look at the next chapter. or the next section, the next paragraph. The reason why saints were so perfectly recollected is that they always sought to abstain from worldly desires, leaving themselves free to give their whole heart to God. But we are absorbed in our own passions and too concerned with passing things. We seldom overcome even one single fault. We are slow to make progress and therefore remain cold and indifferent. Um, The last paragraph I want to read here is, if we would die to self-love, Soon we would enjoy spiritual things, and then we would experience heavenly contemplation. As it is, we do not force ourselves to overcome our passions and disorderly desires and to follow the path of the saints, and this is our greatest obstacle to contemplation. As soon as any little difficulty comes our way, we are easily cast down and turned to human consolation. So I thought that that was very powerful because how many times does that happen where, gosh, I want to feel good about myself. So I'm going to go and and see who likes me. You know, we do this on social media. I don't have a social media accounts per se. um, But how many times do I hear that people say, I got so many likes because I'm turning to human consolation instead of saying, forget about that. Let's focus on what God wants. Um, That was really important to me during the holy hour to realize When I'm feeling like I need approval of something, when I'm feeling like I need uh, somebody to give me an attaboy, maybe I should go over to the tabernacle and spend that hour there to see what Christ is going to share with me. Um, There's another one. This is why I like that we're doing this over 12 weeks. The last paragraph in chapter 11, it says, it is not easy to break bad habits and harder still to give up your own will. But if you do not overcome the little things, how do you expect to overcome the greater? Therefore resist your evil inclinations at the start and break off bad habits or little by little they will lead to your greater difficulties. If only you would think of the great interior peace you would have and how happy you would make others by doing good. You would be more eager to grow in virtue that really spoke to me because that's really what we're doing right we're going to do the virtues of faith hope and love we're going to grow in virtue and it says if only you would think of the great interior peace you would have that's really what we're doing our goal is to have that interior peace by growing in virtue. I think it's gonna work. I don't think that there's anything that's a coincidence, you know, much. And uh, we always talk about that, how God works in our life and whatnot. But once I actually start doing this and, you know, taking this angle on the holy hour and looking at the virtues, I really start to see how, you know, when I worry about where I am in in life, when I worry about what's gonna happen, I start to have that faith because now I'm praying for faith and I realize I got to have faith that God has placed me where I am. God knows exactly where I am right now. God knows exactly where I'm going in the future. And he, if I let him, if I open up myself in faith, now that I've decided that I'm going to love him and, and work on forgiveness and work on getting rid of any kind of hate or any any remorse or anything that I have in my heart against others or myself, if I can start to forgive out of love, I can then open myself up to faith in God and realize I'm going to be at peace because no matter where I am, no matter what's happening, this is where God wants me. How many times do we hear about saints who were going to their death and they were at peace and they were actually talking to their executioners? They were praying for them. They were giving them kind words. There wasn't anything but peace in their hearts as they were going to die. That's not to say that they might not have had some anxieties because there might still be some there. Um, But at the same time, if we put our faith wholeheartedly in God, uh, as I'm praying this holy hour for faith, I think that more peace is going to come. I feel it happening already. You know, there's things in life where we wonder, what am I doing? And if I just kind of keep moving forward, I leave that to God. If I focus on my spiritual work on my works of mercy, I'm not going to worry so much about tribulations or what's to come other than I have faith that God's going to take care of me no matter what comes my way, no matter who seems to be in power, no matter who seems to have worldly power, my power, my, my inspiration comes from God. My faith is in God who has all the power, who's actually directing everything, and who knows exactly what's going to happen. I think that level of faith is what's going to bring us further peace. But listen to the story. I mean, this is where we, if we wonder if Holy Hour works, this story, it just blew me away. Okay. It just blew me away. I was reading it and I was like, wow. So one of our listeners shares with me, and says, this is a story of one of my daughters. And says, at the time she was in high school and she was hanging out with the wrong friends. Now, sometimes we say, you know, our kids, oh, I don't like their friends. That friend's kind of weird, or that one's a little anxious, or whatever's going on, or that one's, you know, I don't like the way they speak, or whatever it is. But in this case, it was she was hanging out with the wrong friends because her friends were in the occult. Okay. Now and she's saying that her friends were in the occult and these, and my daughter was scared because these friends said that they would even come after her. And my guess is that, um, they would come after her if she left them or she didn't keep following the occult or what they were doing. And it says, my daughter came to me and shared about it. She says, I told the policemen at school and they said they really couldn't do anything. This is, this is, you know, it sounds frustrating because how can, if somebody's being threatened, how can you not do anything about it? well, you might take a report, but legally sometimes they say, well, unless something bad happens, I mean, I've seen this of working in ERs and things like that. Unless something bad happens, there's not much that can be done. You know, it's going to be a, uh, they said, we said, and they said they were going to come after me. No, we didn't say that. And so who do we believe? We don't know, you know, until something bad happens, then that's when people worry or take action, but okay. So we've got a young gal in high school, very common friends in the occult, very common in those ages. Um, Friends saying that they're going to come after her. Well, they're not really much of friends, right? If you have to be forced to be friends. And what happened to her? She started going to adoration with her mom, this young gal. She started going to daily adoration. She would stay not one hour, but two hours at times. And as she's doing this, going through high school, discerns a vocation to be a nun, right? So she started doing this sophomore year in high school, discerns a vocation to be a nun after going to adoration and the friends left her alone, there was never an issue. This is the power of adoration. This is where we learn what God really wants us to do and what he wants in our life. This is why I like to continue doing the Holy Hour Challenge. I wanna find peace. Tell me that this isn't finding peace where you go from friends who are in the occult, the other end of the spectrum, to doing holy hours, wanting to do longer holy hours as you do this and finding out that God is saying, I don't want you hanging out with friends in the occult. I want you for me. I want you to have a vocation in religious life. This is how we answer the call. This is how we find out our vocation. And this is how we truly do our Holy Hour Challenge to Peace. May you find peace and continue this Holy Hour Challenge as well. We'll see you next week.